In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the LLS, will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, does not matter. Just climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to the Game Notes Podcast, your Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. That's Tony Jones. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash game notes, get our latest deal. That means you get all of my rankings, the power rankings, the draft pick rankings, all that good stuff. And more importantly, you get Tony's Utah Jazz coverage, which Tony, I have to say, is the best in the business. And I'm not just saying that because we're podcasting. Checks in the mail, my guy. All right. I appreciate that because I need it. Now, what do we what do we agree on? $15 and a jawbreaker? It's $15 a, a word, right? Isn't that what it is? No, I thought it was like... And the more I talk... $15 and some Takis. You know what? I'll take that too. <laughs> you got yourself a deal. <laughs> Love me some Takis. Uh, Tony, we've got the NBA coming back. We think. They've agreed to come back, but they're still agreeing on how to come back. The latest coming out of out of ESPN and coming from from the Athletic as well has been about what the players want and don't want. They've got some issues with the bubble. They've got some issues with maybe the quarantine of ten days. If they decide to leave the bubble, they come back. They have to quarantine for ten days. You have some issues about there's issues about some guys just maybe don't feel safe playing and they don't want to be penalized, so they get to sit out. You know, they don't get the game checks, but they they do get to sit out without penalty. Tony, do you think there are any roadblocks to getting this league back July 30th, July 31st, whenever they can do that, that will actually stop this progress from happening? Or is this just a matter of negotiating through the media? No, it's just a matter of negotiating through the media. You know how these things go. Everything is a negotiation, right? And everything. Yeah. if we are starting training camp on June 30th, then we have 19 days officially to negotiate You know, every concession. That's possible. And if you're a player, and, and I don't blame the players at all. If I were the players, I try to get every concession possible because even if it's Disney, even if it's like the lap of luxury, you are still looking at being quarantined away from the rest of the world for a period of time. And even if you're the Phoenix Suns or the San Antonio Spurs or a team that's not going to make the playoffs, you're looking at three weeks in the middle of July and you're looking at another at least two weeks in August. You're looking at five weeks minimum being on this campus locked away from the rest of the world. So you want every concession possible and if i was a player i'd do the same thing but to answer your broader question no nothing is going to stop this train there's too much money at stake the league is definitely going to come back so what do you think the biggest hurdle is though like it, it does seem to be and let's we'll put this delicately nba players like to socialize prime of their right? lives prime of their existence prime of their lives they, they like to socialize they like to have fun they like to you know, kind of unwind after a game or before a game or both. 
And so, you know, if you're going to be never before the game, because the rule is never before the game. Yeah, I would. I don't know that everyone follows that rule, but that is the general rule, indeed. Um, I would say that visitors. You know, there are no visitors that will be allowed until the first round of the playoffs at the earliest. Right. Um, and even then, it's not just like you can bring anybody in. It's supposed to be wives or, you know, family. Family, right. Yes. And so far be it for me to judge anyone's lifestyle. To me, five weeks of just hunkering down and, you know, a minimum of five weeks. I guess if you're a championship contender, this could be three and a half months. If you're in Milwaukee, you're looking at three months. Yeah. You're looking at three months, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers Raptors. Raptors. Like these teams could all be Celtics. looking at three months. Three months. Yeah. Is that really a big enough a big enough issue to to halt this whole thing? I mean, it's I know an you issue. said you don't think it's going to be slowed down, but it is an issue. It's an issue. Don't you want a Netflix and chill within three months? Absolutely. Okay. But Tony, I'm just saying it can't it can't submarine this this thing coming back. It's not going to submarine it, but I mean what you do, I mean it's the same thing with Travis Slank. I mean, throw something out in the media. Let's see if it sticks. Sure. See what happens. Let's see Absolutely. what happens. Well, let's call up our favorite media. Hey, listen. I got some concerns here. <laughs> you got some Me and 24 other guys. We were all on a conference call, <laughs> voicing our concerns. Voice the concerns. I don't want to downplay it. There are obviously a lot of players that are concerned about the health aspects of it. Absolutely. But it doesn't seem to be as big of a concern, at least from what I've heard and what I've seen reported, as the visitor issue. And then with what's going on in this country recently on a much more serious note. You know, I know Matt Barnes was on was on dunk bait with with Lejethro Jenkins and, and Josiah Johnson and Zach Schwartz, and he was talking about, hey, there's some players, including players from the Lakers and Clippers, that have contemplated boycotting the rest of the season so they can they can focus their efforts and their attention on battling, you know, racial injustice, police brutality, race relations, like all that stuff, right? So there are also other concerns right now that may be, I don't even mean this in a, in a negative way, but distracting from getting back to work. Yeah, I would say, you know, and obviously everybody's going to feel differently. I would say in that vein, I mean, the best way, one of the best ways you can do is use your platform to play and you know, use that platform as a sounding board or as a springboard for other action as well. Right. You know, so I definitely think everybody's going to feel different. We're all unique as human beings, you know, at the same time. I would love to play and be in a spotlight or have a sounding board where, you know, I can draw attention to the cause in that manner. Yeah, I think I think with the players, you know, we've seen we've seen LeBron, Derrick Rose, all these guys, you know, wear the I can't breathe shirts. They've been very active, exactly. very socially conscious on the court in warmups. I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of a celebration of this conversation, right? Like we've talked so much about, we talked about this last time about, hey, this is an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of white people. Okay, be uncomfortable, right? right? Like that's, it's time to be uncomfortable. I actually think the league may embrace, especially if it's, if it's going to help ensure that players want to come back. And I don't know how much of a, a game of chicken that is, right? And I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it as a, as a negotiating thing. I just, I don't know when, when push comes to shove, if that's going to be something that players give up playing in order to, to go to this, but we've seen a much more socially conscious group of players over the last decade or so. So I guess it wouldn't shock me, but I could see the league really embracing that and celebrating this conversation, celebrating 
the activism of the players on the court to add more meaning to it. But like, let's be honest about this too, Tony, like it's not just add more meaning to it. Like it's going to be to grab some eyeballs to get people watching these games to see what's going to happen next. Yeah. And I would think that there's going to be a lot of statements being made before, during and after games. I would think that there are going to be some custom shoes you know, custom kicks, just a lot of things to draw attention to the issue. I mean, we've talked about this, but America's at a crossroads right now. We're in a fight. There's a certain faction of America right now that wants to set a new norm or a previous norm, because I don't want to say that's a new norm because it's a previous norm. And, you know, there's a faction of America that, that we're like, Nah, we're not going back to that. And that fight is going to, for better or worse, be battled out for the next few months to see what kind of course that we can set for ourselves as a country. And the players can help in that fight, draw attention. Let's make the statements. Let's wear the t-shirts. Let's use our social media to use our voices. So, you know, in that sense, I really, really, really want the players to play. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's where they can be effective. Look, like... (laughs) I don't don't know, I'm not necessarily drawing comparisons, but the country took this global pandemic a lot more seriously once the NBA shut down, right? Right. The NBA is is pretty good at at being thought leaders in a lot of this stuff. They have plenty of holes and plenty of blind spots as well. And I would even say to a certain degree, the league has taken this issue of police brutality, Black Lives Matter, like they've taken these movements seriously and they've embraced them, but not fully. It's been a a lot more embraced lately. And so... This is the stage to, if you can get all the players there and you get all the players active and all the players active from a social standpoint and from a basketball standpoint, that is kind of the perfect storm for helping further this debate in the country. Although, you know, it's been going on for a long time and players weren't always embraced in this way. It does feel a little bit different this time. It feels like celebrities and athletes stepping up does lend a little bit of a louder and more poignant voice than it did over the last six or seven years. Um, so maybe that's the starting point. But the league can do a lot more here to, to help the causes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. These are all conversations that are being held behind closed doors. Everything that gets leaked into the media, you know, I mean, I don't want to call us puppets, but it's for a reason, you know. Right. <laughs> and No offense to any of our colleagues, oh, including you, right. but things don't get leaked just because we're great at our jobs, right? right? Exactly. Things get leaked because it's used as a, as a tool of power. Right. In some way. Exactly. So, you know, the whole spectrum, these are all conversations that are being had. And within any negotiation, both sides want to find a bit of leverage, a modicum of leverage. So, you know, I think that the GMs and the coaches and the owners, they see things. I think the players see things. The MBPA sees things. It's just all one conversation behind closed doors to me. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the basketball on the court when the Utah Jazz are back, you wrote earlier this week about Donovan Mitchell. And now that Boyan Bogdanovich is out for the rest of the season and Donovan's going to be asked to do even more than he has in the past and do it better and do it more effectively in the postseason push, what that looks like. So, Tony, what's the biggest takeaway for what Donovan's going to have to do when they get into the first round of the playoffs? And obviously this is matchup dependent, but what it, what's that biggest takeaway? You know, just, just a patience that wasn't there last year. You know, I thought the Houston series, right? You know, because that's that's the series where, you know, the Rockets really defended Donovan, you know, exceptionally well. Donovan started out the series trying to make the right plays. And then, you know, when his teammates weren't making shots, it didn't matter how many arms he saw. 
you know, those shots were going up, you know, whenever he got into the lane. So his teammates have to hit shots, right? You know, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, like they've got to make those open looks. Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, those open looks have to go down, but those right plays have to be made. And if it takes a few games for the well to loosen up, then it takes a few games. You know, those right plays still have to be made because once his teammates start making the opposition pay, then those driving lanes get more open. And then Donovan Mitchell can go ahead and be Donovan Mitchell and, and score and, and be the, the dynamic scorer that he is. So, you know, I would say the biggest thing is just be patient, read what the defense is giving you, find those open shooters opposite, and just make the right plays once you get into the lane. Uh, how much of that is Mike Conley, like taking the pressure off? To me, a ton of it. I think in a lot of ways, Mike Conley's performance down the stretch is going to make or break the Jazz because I think you can expect a certain level of performance from, from Donovan Mitchell. I think you can expect a certain level of performance from Rudy Gobert. Conley's got to be that third guy. Like it was Bojan for much of the year. Now it's got to be Conley. You know, he's got to be dynamic, scoring the ball, making plays for himself and others, even defensively, I would say. So right now, I think Mike holds the key to what Utah ceiling is. What about the two-man game between Mike and Rudy? Was that sharp enough, or did we not see enough to know if that's going to be something very reliable? Um, I thought it could be sharper, and I also thought that we had we didn't see enough because I think Mike shared so much of the ball handling duties with so many guys that it wasn't until Quinn Snyder finally said, okay, Mike, you run with the second team, and you take all of the reps – and all of the usage in those first five to six minutes in the second quarter, it wasn't until then that Mike really found the rhythm. And even then, with that rhythm, it was Tony Bradley on the floor for a lot of the time and not Rudy Gobert, right? So I don't think we saw enough, but at the same time, what we did see, it probably could be better. But now we're going to see a lot of it because Mike's going to have the basketball. You know, I'm excited. I'd be excited if I were a Jazz fan because I think that Mike's role was so ambiguous for much of the year. And I think that that ambiguity is now in a large part. It's now gone for him. Well, I think too, like, look, I know that the losses in the postseason, especially Houston, have been frustrating, right? But if I'm looking at that, like they're frustrating and you want to see you want to see something better than what it's been. But I'm just all for young guys getting that experience. Even if the Jazz fail in the first round and Donovan doesn't play well. Yes, you want him to play better. But I'm a big fan of learning through trial and error. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that was a trial and error from last year. Like Houston, they set out to play Donovan a certain way. They put Eric Gordon on him. Eric Gordon hounded him through the whole series. But Chris Paul was always lurking opposite in the paint. Clint Capella was always you know, kind of planted at the basket. Even if it was Eric Gordon as the primary defender, essentially, you know, Donovan was being double and triple teamed throughout the entire series. And Houston said, okay, Ricky Rubio, if you make eight three-pointers in a game, we're going to shake your hand. Jay Crowder, if you make eight three-pointers in a game, we're going to shake your hand. Royce O'Neal, if you make eight three-pointers in a game, we're going to shake your hand. So some of this is incumbent. This is why, you know, the Jazz went out and got Boyan and Mike Conley, because in theory, you can't employ that strategy with those guys on the floor. So now without Boyan, a lot of that is going to fall on the mic and also Jordan Clarkson to a degree. But, you know, those guys, they have to make teams pay if they're going to play Donovan in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you did a mailbag earlier this week, but there's some questions you didn't get to, Tony, because you had such a such a big response in the mailbag prompt that I want to get to a couple of these questions. So there was news that Walt Perrin leaving the Utah Jazz 
organization. He's going to be the, I believe, the new assistant general manager to Leon Rose in New York with the Knicks. So Tony, you know, Mark H wanted to know how big of a loss is the Walt Perrin to the Knicks? Yeah, it's it's big because, you know, Walt, the biggest part of this is Walt has elite connections around the league with agents and his ability to get guys in for workouts is uh, really no small skill. You know, the Jazz used to struggle getting guys just in for pre-draft workouts. Yeah. Just so they can take a look at those guys. Those guys weren't coming a decade ago, 15 years ago. Walt is the guy that he's pounding the pavement all season, going to college games, looking at guys. And he's a guy that is on the phone with the agents getting guys in for workouts. Uh, your prime example is Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell should not have worked out for the Utah Jazz because he was out of their draft range. And Walt got him in, and the Jazz fell in love with him because they were able to see him up close. And that gave them tunnel vision going into that 2017 draft. And that tunnel vision yeah. was, we're going to get Donovan Mitchell no matter how we do it. And they were able to swing a trade with the the Denver Nuggets, and obviously the rest was history. So Walt was the guy that, that in large part made that happen. On a smaller note, one of the reasons why the Jazz traded for Jordan Clarkson was because they were able to get a look at Jordan Clarkson in the pre-draft process. And they liked Jordan Clarkson. They kind of had a, a feeling on what kind of player he was already. In addition to having the obvious intel of what his NBA career what had been to that point. But they knew what kind of guy he was. They had an idea what kind of character he was because they had him in for a pre-draft workout. So, you know, that's all Walt. They're going to have to replace that skill. At least at this point, they're not going to hire anybody in his place. So the guys that are currently on staff that are, you know, kind of stepping up and taking his role. They're going to have to do some of the things that he did. Um, and then let's end on maybe the juiciest part of what you've been hinting at lately. This is from Roger C. You've hinted at a favors return via free agency next season. Obviously, there are many variables involved in any plan coming to fruition in a complex industry like the NBA. But if you had to make a call for the chance at a million dollars, is Derek Favors on the 2020-2021 Utah Jazz roster, Tony? Well, I'm not going to answer that last part <laughs> um but i will say that there's some interest there i would say both ways now here's the thing now having said that obviously there's games to a season that need to be played and yeah i think because of covid i think that takes away utah's ability to entice Derek a little bit the Jazz will have to use their mid-level exception in order to get Derek if it works out to that. Now the question is, what's the mid-level because of COVID-19? You know, right? That was moving towards like nine, ten million dollars right. a year, right? And now we don't know what that's going to be. What if it comes in a seven, right? So now the Pelicans, uh, yeah, that's not enough. Yeah, what if now the Pelicans own bird rights and it becomes easier to to keep him? I know that the Pelicans want Derek back. You know, I don't know that they want him for a four-year deal, but certainly like a two-year deal while Jackson Hayes matures. So I do think that there's a lot of red tape to go through and I don't, I wouldn't say in any way, shape, or form that that's a, it's a sure thing, but I do think that there's interest. Roger, don't worry. I'm not letting Tony off the hook. Tony, I want a better answer than that. I want a more, I want more conviction. I want a borderline prediction from you. Is Derek Favors going to be on the roster next season? There is interest both ways. Tony, I'm not interested <laughs> in interest. I want a yes or no answer. And it is completely unfair to hold your feet to the fire. But here's the thing, Tony. I don't care. I've been cooped up for months, just like everyone else. I'm feeling punchy. I feel like you need to be 
You need to be answering this question that Roger put in there. You ducked it in the mailbag and you're ducking it now. So what you're saying is you feel like Eric Bledsoe in September after three months on the <laughs> Disney campus. That's what you feel like. That's what I feel like. Eric Bledsoe's going to have another tweet of, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like he did when he was in Phoenix. I'm going to say no right now. Okay. I'm right. going to say no, simply because I don't want to get Jazz fans' hopes up. Oh, and also, you can't get aggregated. I see what you're doing. So this is a... Roger, let me let me clue you in here. Now, I can't see Tony right now because we're not doing this via video, but he's saying no, but I, I can feel a wink happening there. And you know what that wink means. That wink means Derek Favors will absolutely be on the Jazz. That's what that means. Now, Tony may want to rebut what I just said because journalistically he has to have ethics he's got to have a code he's got to make sure he's doing things properly and going through the proper channels and normally i would love to give him that opportunity to say that but unfortunately we're out of time for this episode <laughs> of game notes so roger go ahead and fire up that Derek favors utah jazz jersey again you can put it back into rotation so says tony jones even though i won't let tony talk here for the rest of this podcast because we got to get out of here thank you for subscribing to the pod thanks for subscribing to the athletic be sure to celebrate celebrate that Derek favors reunion that's going to happen tony just say the words yes right now without context i'm just going to say roger listen if if <laughs> if i had said yes zach would have been like oh that's the answer we're gonna stop right here so now that 100%. i said no he's saying well he's saying no but it's not not <laughs> wink wink says yes Yeah, there's, there's a wink there's a wink tony there's a wink just like and oh my god look comment, at the time we're out of it i know well tony i got another podcast you know i'm a busy guy i got another podcast to do right now so you know i'm, I'm six minutes away i gotta walk my dog before the podcast it's just a busy time tony and so we don't have time to get into the journalism and the reporting of it all we'll just say you know yeah Derek favors absolutely gonna be on the jazz next year thanks for subscribing to the show thanks for subscribing to the athletic if you haven't done that theathletic.com slash game notes you know subscribe tell your friends have them subscribe and make sure you comment on this episode of game notes either on the app or on the website for tony jones i'm zach harper welcome back Derek favors